Hey everyone, welcome to yet another episode of Morgan Webster's Wrestling Friends. As always, I'm going to be the king of the mods, the mod father of professional wrestling, Flash Morgan Webster. Or, more importantly, after the next five minutes to the hour, to the hour and a half, however long, this wonderful conversation with Ricochet goes this week, I will be your host, or as I like to see it, facilitator for these chats, discussions, gatherings. You know me, absolutely love that word, gatherings, with your wrestling favourites, or as I like to call them, my wrestling friends. So yeah, how's everyone doing? Um, I think I've had a, a pretty good run with this podcast as of late. Um, I guess we'll go, I had Quackenbush when I first started coming back, two episodes in, then I had Edge, then I had Alex Shelley, I've had Matt Seidel. Um, I've now got Ricochet this week, I had Rio Ripley the week before that. Joker Bray was an absolute cracking episode, and I feel that I really hit my stride. I've got some great ones coming up over the next couple of weeks, ones that we have to pinch myself that uh, are happening, ones that I'm still trying to track down which should be happening as well. And uh, ones that are just really fun to listen to. So I'm really glad that you've joined me on this wonderful sunny, I'm guessing it's sunny because it's been sunny all week, uh, sunny May week. Um, hope everyone's staying indoors, hope everyone's staying safe. Um, I hope that uh, this is a welcome distraction from what will hopefully be the last couple of weeks of lockdown. It looks like things are being eased, so hopefully that was the case. Um, I will be, of course, keeping these podcasts going after the lockdown um i probably will continue to do them via skype uh the play hopefully again i will be able to sit down and do some uh face-to-face ones but i feel that uh, the reception i've had from this podcast and i was very dead against doing them via skype and via uh video chat and stuff like that i was dead against it uh but the response i've had for these ones has been absolutely amazing um it makes it a lot easier when i can say to somebody hey can i have an hour of your time you don't have to leave the house and people are up for it and I found a way to, uh, again, it's a learning curve. Um, some of them have been a lot harder than others because I do, it's so much easier to, to chat and kind of gauge where the conversation's going when you can see their face. But it's been a learning curve and I feel that as the weeks have gone on, I've got better and better at this and Rhea, I think, was a great episode and I think this week is uh, is no exception. Um, of course, if you have been enjoying these podcasts, please remember these do come to you free of charge every Wednesday on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Podcast, that is Spotify, uh, wherever you get a podcast from, um, if you if you were using something else that isn't uh, any of those, um, then let me know because again, I love to know where my podcast is being listened to. There's a lot of podcast outlets out there that this podcast is on I didn't even know about. So please tweet at me, let me know, or and I'll try to include it in the intro. Um, again, big thanks to our sponsor this week again. Two weeks on the trot, SuplexAppareil.com. They've got a brand new range right now, which is the JPN4 range. It's absolutely wonderful. I got some t-shirts myself from it recently. Uh, I said last week, they're some of my favourite, both in cover and fit. Um, I've been uh, working out a lot over this lockdown, and these snug against the arm quite nicely. Make me look pretty jack. So again, if you're looking for that, great. And uh, the girlfriend's already stolen a medium off me because she said that they're, uh, they're really soft. So again, if you've got t-shirts that... Uh, if you've got a boyfriend and you secretly want it yourself or a girlfriend or whatever and you secretly want it yourself, maybe buy it for them and then steal it like she did mine. So, uh, yeah, definitely go check out com and check out what they have to offer. They are shipping worldwide and they are restocking constantly. So if you have looked over the last couple of weeks and stuff uh, has been sold out, then definitely check back because uh, Joel over at Suplex is restocking constantly. 
But yeah, big thanks to them for being the sponsor this week. Of course, if you are enjoying the podcast or if you've enjoyed any of the podcasts over the last couple of weeks, the best way you can support this podcast is by letting people know about it and then in turn, hopefully they will end up, you know, tuned in or downloaded and then they'll spread the word. If everyone who listens to this tweets about it, and I had a lot of new listeners last week um, and had a lot, the, the viewing figures go up and up and up. If everyone who listens to this just puts out one tweet, one Instagram story, uh, one Facebook share, whatever it is, right? Again, social medias are at Flash and Scott Morgan on the Twitter, Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster or at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Um, if if all of you, if half of you give out one single tweet about these episodes and tell me how much you're enjoying it, then that covers so much ground. Um, and hopefully it means that in turn, when we do go back to normal and when my life is a little bit more hectic and I won't have as much time to edit, I can outsource it and I can uh, get somebody to edit and I continue to bring uh, you wonderful conversations that a lot of you are enjoying. So please, please, the best way you can support me is by getting on social media and uh, tweeting out. So if you listen to it right now, if you're listening right now and you've got a Twitter account, at Flash underscore Morgan, give me a screen grab, send it send it out, tell people you love and listen to it, give me some of your favourite episodes, maybe tell me an episode that you've loved before and... Uh, just get out there so people can see it. It really is appreciated. Even if you only have 50, even if you have like 20 followers, if those 20 followers then tune in and then they do the same as you're doing right now, then eventually it's a ripple on effect. And uh, let's just keep building it because, again, I'm really enjoying doing these podcasts. But, yeah, best way to support me is by getting on the socials and uh, letting everyone know that you're listening to it. This week's guest then is Ricochet. It's a wonderful chat. Um, finally get to sit down and chat with him. Um, or it gets it gets... It's such a weird one. I um, I feel that uh, this is a conversation that I really, really had to learn. I really had to learn these skills when it comes to video chats. Um, a lot of stuff I do is without video. I do it with audio, just audio. And I do with that is because I find that when you add video to stuff, sometimes it freezes and then the quality goes down. So I want you to have the best audio you possibly can. So I never do video. But then it's hard to read people's facial expressions and it's hard to kind of gauge it. And that's, I'm somebody, if any of you have spoke to me in real person, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a people person and that's something I, I gauge off. So this is one where I felt like it would have been so much better if, well, it wouldn't have been. I felt like the first 10 minutes it would have been, I felt, so I feel like it would be so much better if we were face to face. And then it clicks and it becomes a wonderful conversation. And uh, it's a full retrospect. We talk about kind of starting off in Kentucky. We talk about falling in love with wrestling. We talk about those matches with Osprey. We talk about uh, PWG, we talk about New Japan, we talk about Best Super Juniors, we talk about WWE, we talk about everything that's going on right now. It's a wonderful conversation. I'm not going to give too much away. Again, if you enjoy this podcast, please be sure to uh, let everyone know about it on the socials. But uh, apart from that, put in the headphones, put the headphones on, uh, sit back and relax and enjoy what is really a wonderful conversation with the one and only, this is Ricochet. Enjoy, people. How's things, man? Uh, yeah, just chilling here right now at the crib. What um, what scooter did you get after yesterday? I was going to, but the guy was talking about how he can't find all the paperwork, so he's got to go to the DMV to get the paperwork. Uh, whenever that opens up here. Ah, uh, so you didn't get one in the end, then? Not in the end. That's cool. Right, man. So I'm gonna just jump straight into it then. All right. Cool. 
So what's your earliest memory of wrestling? When can you remember falling in love with wrestling? And that could be, uh, might be a two-part question. Huh. I don't really, I can't really remember, like, the, first, the moment. I mean, I know, like, WrestleMania 15 was, like, that mo- That was around the moment where I was like, this is, I want to, like, try to become a wrestler. But uh, falling in love with it, I mean, I've just, I, I just remember watching it since I was younger. With that WrestleMania 15, then, would you, would you say that that was kind of, like, the moment, then, that you kind of started looking at schools in the area and trying to figure out how you could kind of make this a reality? Oh, uh, no. No, because I didn't know where to go. What I didn't know anything. I didn't, I didn't even know that like independent wrestling or wrestling schools or anything was even a thing. I didn't even know. Mm. And so, um, I actually, uh, actually wrestling i kind of just fell into it from a friend but um as far as like yeah wanting to become a wrestler i didn't even know that like indie wrestling or anything was even a thing so i think i was like 11 at the time i mean i started training when i was 14 so it was only three years later but um yeah i just knew like i was like man this is something i would really really like to do how did you end up falling into it then you said like oh you fell into it because of a friend how does that even happen uh, my friend's dad knew a guy who, like, knew a guy who wrestled. And so they got us, yeah, my friend's dad, my friend's dad's friend got us tickets because he knew the guy. And so we ended up going to this, like, backyard show. I say tickets, but he just told us kind of where to go in some guy's backyard. And then um, that was uh, in Brookport, Illinois. And then um, we just we went and saw the show, and then afterwards they asked us if we wanted to get in the ring a little bit because the guy knew my friend's dad's friend, so he just asked if we wanted to get in the ring. And we got in, and they saw that we were, like, pretty athletic. And so they just kind of asked us if we wanted to, like, train for a little bit. And so we just we did that, and then we just never went back. So, like, where were you? Were you like, you're from Kentucky, so were you, were you living in Kentucky at this point? Yes, I was living in Kentucky, but we, uh, I trained, was like 10, 15 minutes away, right across the bridge in Brookport, Illinois. So, like, you kind of being in that area is quite lucky, because I guess you're in the area where, like, the three kind of states, like, the tri-state area all kind of meet, that's correct, isn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, especially with wrestling, you can't wrestle in Kentucky until you have a license, like, you're 18, you got a license and stuff. So, I never really... I've only wrestled in Kentucky one time My until I got to the WWE. I only wrestled in Kentucky like one time ever. That's mental, especially when I think of like ev- all of us lot kind of getting to wrestling for the hometowns or small crowds. The fact that you were like pretty much world renowned and you only ever wrestled in Kentucky once. That's absolutely mental. Yeah, I only wrestled uh, one until, yeah, until I got to the WWE. I only wrestled one time. I mean, I... Again, because you need a license, and it has like a whole, it has a whole um, thing, athletic commission. So you have to go through all this stuff just to get a license and stuff, and I just didn't have the money. Or The, the one time I did wrestle in Kentucky, the guy who owned the company got me my license because he knew the guy that, or, I don't know, but yeah, he helped me. 
So, like, you kind of training. How long were you training then before you had your first match? Give or take six months, yeah. Were you always kind of, like, drawn to this? Were you drawn to this style of wrestling that you do now? Or has, it, has that always kind of been your passion and, and how you started out? Uh, I mean, I think just given my size and stuff, it's all I really had. But also, yeah, I mean, I enjoyed, like, I enjoyed, like, like Rey Mysterio and Juventud Guerrera and Eddie Guerrero and all those guys. And because um, even at the time, I didn't even know about when I was 14. I didn't know about Japanese wrestling. I didn't know about independent wrestling. So once I started training, all the guys that I trained with, they knew about all that. So they started showing me the, the AJ Styles, the Matt, Side, uh, the Matt Seidel's, the... You know, the amazing Reds, the Ligers, the Hibusas, they started showing me all this, and I was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is nuts. And so, yeah, that's that's just the stuff that I kind of always, you know, yeah, I think it's just the most entertaining to watch. But, like, you're saying you're seeing these things, and you're seeing these people do this mental stuff. Like, like I, them people would have been crossing through IWA uh, Mid-South back in the day, and you weren't that far from there, so, like, to see these people in these videos and then to hear that they were only like, what, an hour away at the most or whatever, that must have been absolutely mind-blowing to you. Um, even then, I didn't even really know where all these places were. Um, but, I, I mean, especially when I was early into, like, IWA Mid-South when I first started, I remember being on shows like AJ Styles and Loki and all these guys and being like, oh, my God, look at these guys. But, um, no, yeah, it, it, was, it was pretty crazy whenever I just kind of opened my horizons. It's, yeah, as you said, it's absolutely mental. Did you, did you know that IWA had the reach to the digs? I spoke to like Matt Seidel a couple of weeks ago about it, and he said he kind of maybe thought he had an inkling because of, like, the DVD sales, but he didn't really didn't really know the reach that, like, Ian had and stuff like that. Was it kind of the same for you? No, dog. I didn't. I didn't know crap, bro. <laughs> I like I said, like especially when I first started. Like I, said, I didn't even know that there was independent wrestling. You know what I mean? I didn't know. So um, once I started, I only knew once I, I then got into wrestling and all my friends started showing me all this stuff. Then I was like, oh, okay, this is like pretty popular. Like I'm glad. Like I'm not the only one who had this crazy dream of like him doing this like crazy things so um yeah I, I didn't really know like coming into it no I had no clue how the big reach it had like we talk about like, like early days and like one of the one of the guys who kind of I guess met back in the early days and I guess he would have been maybe somebody that did broaden your horizon a little bit and has continued to kind of run with all the way through your career would be Dustin like how how important was that relationship in the early days Oh, man, yeah, if it wasn't for, oh, Dusty, I don't think I would have, I would have done anything, because I was just like a 15, 16-year-old kid, I mean, he was only 17, 18, if I was only 15 or 16, but um, he, he like, set everything up with all the, uh, all the promoters and stuff, you know, he was the one that um, sent the emails out, he was the one that when we got there, he would put up his camera, he would film our matches, and then he would make music videos of those matches and send them out to other people. 
and then he would drive or he would like he would do all this stuff so like yeah luckily he was there because i wouldn't have been i wouldn't have known to do all that stuff so uh yeah dude he's he's a he's a he's a big he was a huge help huge 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 help like you talk about his music videos i feel like i definitely would have seen some of the stuff he was putting out there and I was on the other side of the world I feel like when it comes to that now like social media and and stuff like that is such a big part of the game but Dustin seemed to have had kind of a grasp on that before social media was even a thing yeah I mean like I said he was he was filming our matches every time we would wrestle and then yeah he would kind of just cut and edit them together and just make a highlight reel and then he would send them out to promoters and stuff and say, hey, this is what we can do, like, blah, blah, blah. And then whether or not they would get back to him. And, dude, yeah, so he was, like, he was like ahead of the curve as far as that goes. When, when do you feel it really started to click then? When do you really start to feel like it started to roll in? You started thinking, wait a second, this, this might not just be a hobby. This might be something that I could kind of run with. Oh, crap, not till way, way. I started in 2003. Not until like 2010 was I, <laughs> was I like, oh maybe maybe this isn't just yeah a weekend thing. This I can like I can do I can do something. No, dude, yeah, it was it was not for a long time. So even when you were like running, even so when you were doing like Shakara and you were getting to like clash heads with like Pac and Claudio and Quack, you still kind of thought that this is just a weekend thing. Man, I was, yeah, because I was so small and so tiny and just, like, I don't know. I just, I never thought that I would actually make a career out of it. So I never actually thought about making a career out of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Um, not until, like, later when the the whole landscape of, like, just wrestling in general was kind of changing that's when i was like okay maybe it is possible for me to like do something i feel like you're i feel like you're a big reason that landscape changed if i'm honest there's like there's a collection of wrestlers where you kind of maybe you look at it like back end of the 90s early 2000s and they wouldn't have if the landscape had stayed the same people like myself mark andrews we wouldn't have being able to kind of make a living that we are off it now, but yourself and a few others, I feel like you're the guys who kind of changed that landscape and allowed it to kind of progress, as you said, into the early 2000s. I mean, I don't know. It's, it's see, I always give credit to like the the AJ Styles, the Matt Sydal's, and the Reds, and the Jack Evans, and the and and those guys. You know what I mean? The the Daniel Bryan's, the or the Brian Danielsons at the time. Uh, and Dragon Gate, I give, I give, honestly, honestly, at the end of the day, it all comes down to that six-man tag Dragon Gate had at Ring of Honor. That just changed everything. That changed the whole game. Do you know what, do you know what six-man I'm talking oh, about? I think it was like 2000. I, I do. I think I, any, any wrestler would have salt knows what you're on about. I think it was like 2006, I want to say, maybe, that is what, was when that happened. I think it got uploaded in full onto the YouTube channel just a few weeks back. Did it? Yeah, I think it did. Oh, I need to go back and watch that again. But honestly, I think that match, because, I mean, obviously, Toriumon, Dragon Gate, like, 
they were doing that years before that. But I think that really like set a boom in order. And I was just a product of Dragon Gate. So when I would go do indie shows, I would basically just do like Dragon Gate style. And then I think that just not because of me, but I, just that style caught on. And then I think everyone kind of started doing that style of, of, I think it just caught on because it's so entertaining to watch, especially when done correct. It's it's the best. I yeah. personally think. Did you see that six man then? And did you just kind of think, right, this is the wrestling I want to do. This is what I want to create when I go out there. Well, I mean, I, I saw that six man like years after it was already years after it had happened. And, and I was just like, just like, wow. Yeah, I was. Yeah, basically, I was like, oh, yeah, this this is what I like to watch. Like, it's just it's hard hitting. It's high flying. It's fast. It's strong stuff it's it's just all of it all the like american style japanese mexican like uh lucha libre style like it's just all of it just into one and it's just like i said when done correctly it's just absolutely perfect so you talk about kind of thinking right okay 2010 that's when it really started thinking right i could actually do something there can you can you pinpoint it down to a moment maybe where you started going wait okay i think things are changing for me um, it was around PWG. Oh, with that match with Claudio where you actually killed it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was like September, early, like the first weekend of September. And then after that, things just kind of started popping off and I was like, ooh, okay, this is, this is different. So, um, in like in the, in a, in a great way. So that's when I kind of started, yeah, realizing Maybe I got something. I guess it'd be so different. Like again, that Peter G. You didn't think you could kind of go out, go out there, and you could kind of, you know, make this a full time living, make it something you do. But I guess it's a little bit different now. People see the Peter G. and they think, okay, if I can just get there, because you know it's tried and tested, everyone's kind of done there. They get there and it's able to open doors and do stuff. But that really, there was no clear route at that point. So with you, was it more? The fact of, okay, this is a big opportunity. I'm going to go there and smash it. And then because of that, then other doors opened that you didn't expect? Uh, yeah, I remember. Actually, it was Chris Hero, Cassius Ono. He was the one. He was, man, I got to give him props too because he's always been there to support me. Like when Matt Seidel first got signed and left Ring of Honor, Chris Hero was there like trying to talk to the Ring of Honor office about like, Hey guys, like Seidel's gone, and a couple guys are gone. Like we don't really have any high flyers, really, right at this moment. He was like, uh, "This kid here, he's young, he's got some potential. He's still new, but he's like he he learns and everything." Uh, so he was really trying to. I think it was maybe Pierce at the time who was running, but um, he was really, really trying to get me into Ring of Honor. And I had a, I had one tryout for Ring of Honor, like my whole career. I've done one thing for Ring of Honor ever, and it was a tryout match. It was like a six-man tag of me, Kyle O'Reilly, and I want to say uh, Crimson, who was uh, Tommy Mercer at the time or something like that, versus uh, a couple other guys. or, or so, I forgot what it was, but uh, it seemed to go really well, and they seemed to like it. They just never called me back, so it never happened. But then PWG, he was the one who talked to Super Dragon about, hey, there's this kid, he's pretty good he's new like he can put on a good show whatever blah 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 so uh yeah they 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 
flew me out to do, uh, I think it was Bola weekend, 2010, maybe. Yeah, I think it was. And you talk about Chris, like, I don't think there's a guy around that's kind of been around as long as he has that, you know, he's he's never got bitter to wrestling. He's he's always he always has time for everybody. He's always trying to push and try to help anyone he possibly can. I don't I don't think he gets enough credit, man. I really don't. No, dude, yeah, he's dude is especially when it comes to just helping the younger generation. Yeah, there's not many people who who are just as good at it and just as patient and as willing as Chris, man. He's he's great, man. So yeah, he not- got me. Yeah, he got me my. He he was a big. He was a big reason. He was the reason why I got to PWG. And like again, luckily with that, and I know I kind of being someone who's been there and know how it worked. I guess they were like, okay, let's put him in there with somebody we know he's wrestled before. And luckily for you. Yeah, but you were in there with Claudio. Luckily, I was in there with one of the best in the freaking world. <laughs> and again, like to show some of the stuff you could do, like not even one of the best in the world, probably the best base to ever grace. If I, dude, if I had, I, I bet you, if a lot of people had to vote about the best base ever, he would be top three for sure. I didn't get to wrestle a lot of the like luchadors, like Ultimo Guerrero, and a lot of those luchadors that like Mystico, like like those guys got to to be in the ring with. And I, I hear all those guys were amazing, you know, because that's all they did, you know. But I think if anybody who's got to work with Cesaro or Claudio Castagnoli, if anyone got a vote, he's definitely he's got to be up there, dude. He's my he's my he's my pick for best base. It's it always comes down to that that match with him and Sammy where he like he pops him up and almost loses him. Bro. And again, Sammy's not small, man. Sammy's not, and like and he. Like, Rem, he just controls Remy so well and gathers it, and it makes it so much more impressive. That the thing is, like, there's, I... there's so many moments he's had like that. It's just like, a guy almost falls, and he just catches him and does something. It's like, ah! <laughs> but it's like, the, the fact that, like, when they almost go, you, you know yourself, it's so hard and so much energy to try to stop them. But Dude, every time sorry, he does it, bro. he stops them, and then he'll compose himself and then throw them five meters into the air and finish off what he was going to do anyway. It's uh, like, I mean, it like, especially for someone who loves the base, I, I love as much as I love doing head scissors and stuff. I love being the guy to base. Like when I wrestle like you or Andrews or Ray or I'll spray or whomever, like, or Mysterio or whoever, like I, uh, I like being the base, but so like it helps like when the person knows where they're going like when when someone gives me a headset like a, we're going for like a double head scissors and they know where they're going it's it, it helps but cesaro like not only does he know where to put you but he's also strong enough if something messes up he can stop and then start over again like yeah dude it's he's a he's the next level so after that match with him just things just started kind of rolling and you were just like right okay this is this is something I could do. This is something I want to do for a living. Uh, yeah. After that happened, I also then like I started doing like uh, Dragon Gate USA, and then um, then I started doing like Dragon Gate, and then I started coming over to the UK a lot around that time. Maybe yeah, maybe a little bit earlier even like my first time, but I started coming to the yeah yeah the UK like. 
pretty frequently as long uh, along with Japan along with like PWG so that's basically all I was doing for a couple of years and it was just like it was like next level for me how did how did Dragon Gate come along because again you think about this you're a kid from Kentucky and now you're being offered to kind of go and do tours with well, that was uh luckily Gabe because Gabe ran Evolve and I did a couple Evolve dates and then so they were running in like uh, Dragon Gate USA was running in Philadelphia, I think. And so, um, yeah, he asked me to come out. We did the uh, a, a four man, like a four way match. It was like me, Chuck Taylor, Eric Cannon, and I think Adam Cole. And it was like my it was one of those matches, like my first ever match that like everything just went perfectly planned. I don't know if you've ever had one of those matches where just everything goes exactly like you planned it. I kind of like I can remember. Like, can you remember when you were like when you first started out, and then you like maybe you'd get through a match and you'd be like, "Ah, oh, man, that was so good. We didn't mess up once, and that would be like yeah. the benchmark for a while." Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. As long as you and, don't like, mess up, it's fine. Yeah, and then you get to a moment then where like you go from that to like having, as you said, like a match where everything clicks, and you like come back with that was magic. That was this match for me. It was like everything just freaking clicked how it needed to go and just everything just clicked yeah uh, with all four of us and i ended up doing the double moonsault and uh shima was up in the the um, commentating booth because at the the arena at the time the booth was like up top the commentating booth and he just saw that and was like yep he's like he didn't even care about my wrestling i'm sure he didn't care about the wrestling he saw that i had a good match but he just saw that double moonsault and was like, yeah, let me get this kid. And then uh, when I went to Japan, that's when I really kind of started learning a little bit of tricks of the trade and just kind of looked, looked, looked at Shima and how he did things and see how, you know, he just did stuff. And I thought it was awesome. Just want to take a minute from our wonderful gathering with Ricochet this week to talk to you about our sponsors, Suplex Apparel. Suplex Apparel is a clothing brand team of pro wrestlers consisting of Zack Sabre Jr., Tony Storm, Matt Riddle, Miko Satamora and many, many more elite grapplers. Their new JPM4 range is out now, and it's so sick. I grabbed some t-shirts myself from the range personally, and they're definitely some of my favorites, both in comfort and fit. I couldn't recommend them enough. The JPM4 range is being restocked weekly, so if you've missed out on something over the last week or so, definitely check back at suplexapparel.com for restock. Over the last few years, whether it's training or casual wear, Suplex clothing has become a go-to for myself, and many others. And the best part is, no matter where you live, they ship worldwide. So if you haven't already, jump over to Suplex Apparel right now and pick up some goodies. That's suplexapparel.com. Create your legacy. How did you find Japan? Like, how much of a culture shock was it kind of going from America to Japan? And you were over there quite a lot as well. Yeah, especially from a kid just raised in, like, Kentucky. Yeah, I mean... It was uh, it was pretty crazy because I obviously didn't speak any of the language. I didn't I didn't know anything, but uh, they really helped me like feel okay. Like they helped me out a lot. So um, my whole time over there was uh, it was I mean it was awesome. I I couldn't have asked for you know a, a better experience. They also was kind of like when you went over there as well. I know that I'd seen like lots of your stuff before you went to Dragon Gate and I felt like everywhere you went, for the majority of it, you were like high flying baby face 
when you went over there, they, they kind of made the decision to kind of push you more into a heel role. And, like, was that kind of your first big opportunity to kind of play around and and kind of find that, I don't want to say arrogance, but it's like that confidence, because I feel yeah. that that confidence is what kind of led to you being you now. Yeah, definitely. Um, because even when I first got there, I was a part of the Warriors International, which was like basically blood warriors, but like the, the baby faces. And um, yeah, when we turned to the blood warriors and we were like the big heel stable, again, I just kind of mimicked what Shima did. And But also I kind of like let my, my own little personality come out and kind of started being myself a little bit. So... Um, Dude, that really that really did help me like build confidence and like kind of become yeah the 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 personality that I was you know in the independent scene when I really started catching fires. So but like I said, I just kind of mimicked Shima and see what he did, and I would just kind of copy it and add my own little flavor to it. So uh, yeah, dude, they they helped me out so much. And Shima's so good as well, and I guess, like, were you guys tagging? You must have been, like, inseparable, kind of like, around him all the time, just soaking up the knowledge. Exactly. We were we were tagging, like, everywhere, every show. Um, I think, yeah, we were the Spike Peekins, because so, uh, that was actually me. I just, I kind of started cutting my hair into a mohawk, and he was like, ooh, I like it, so he did his. And then we just kind of became, then we just kind of came to, became a tag team. Uh and I think uh, he saw that potential in me, too, that I think maybe Hero saw back in the day. And so I think he was trying to unlock that. It's funny because my first tour with them was like December 2010. And it was kind of weird because up to that point, like I, I had always messed up. Like I said, other than that, that Dragon Gate USA match that just went perfectly. Like I always like messed up in matches and I always like, forgot stuff. And it's like, oh, I sucked. But that first tour in Dragon Gate, like, everything went perfect. Uh, then my second tour, like, I was messing up a lot and everything. And he's like, why are you messing up so much? I'm like, I don't know. I suck. But um, but he just, I think he saw that potential. And he just wanted to, like, unlock it somehow. So um, I think he just really kind of focused on, like, trying to do what he can do to unlock the yeah, that inner potential I had, I feel like. How many tours did you do out there overall? Oh, God. I, I, I was there for like four and a half years. And I would like, I would go for like, like six to eight weeks at a time, come home for like a week, maybe less, go back for another six weeks, come home for four days, basically come home just to redo my visa stuff to go back, basically. And you just loved it out there, just lo- like kind of loved being a full-time pro wrestler? Dude, it was no, like, because when I was over there, I stayed in the, the the sanctuary, which is like their own, like they had like a little apartment, or I stayed at the dojo, and they had food, they had eggs, they had rice, they had all this stuff, so I would kind of just buy like protein and protein bars, and maybe some oatmeal, and just some things, and I would bring it over, so like I had food, so like, I didn't have to worry about paying rent because I lived at the dojo or wherever. I didn't, I, or when I was home, I was at my parents' house. And I was just, like, soaking in all the wrestling knowledge that I could and just, like, dude, yeah, it was, a, it was a good time, man. Um, Can you remember what tour it was when you won the uh, Open the Brave Gate title? Can you remember that? 
Yeah, I don't remember what tour, but I remember it was like November of 2011. I wrestled uh, Pack at the Osaka Body. Uh, it was the it was an Osaka Arena, but it was the same uh, it was the same building as the Body Makers Coliseum. But yeah. it was the it was the basement. It was just a little bit. It was a little bit smaller, but we still held like maybe a thousand people, maybe like eleven hundred. But uh, yeah, it was me and Pack. November of 2011. Uh, it was Blood Warriors. I was part of Blood Warriors. He was part of Junction 3. Can you remember being told that you were, you were kind of winning the belt? Uh, yeah, I remember Yeah, being told that I was, I was winning and being like... Because the, the Brave Gate was one of my like favorite championships. Other than like the, the Dream Gate championship, the Brave Gate was one of my favorites and I've always I always kind of wanted to be the Dreamgate champion more than I wanted to be the uh, I wanted to be the Bravegate champion more than I wanted to be the Dreamgate champion even though I wanted to be Dreamgate champion too but um yeah it was uh dude it was awesome I it was great because it was one of my it was my favorite you know what I mean and also as well like you'd had the you had the run with Cena you'd had the tag belt this was them kind of putting their trust in you solely and saying like okay we trust you kind of carry this division uh yeah uh i think uh, when i it was funny because like when i first got to dragon gate they would only put me in like a little bit to do a small little bitty like spot at the beginning then i would like take heat then i would tag out and then i'd come back in for like the 6 30 and but then like as time went on went on went on like I was in at the beginning. I was in during the heat. I was in during the comeback. I was in during the falsies. I was in during the finish. I was like, oh, my God. But um, I think, again, they just they kind of slowly saw that, and they slowly saw that I could handle it and the, the pressure and the moments and stuff. And so they kind of slowly gave me, like, more and more opportunities and more and more um, – uh, I don't know what I'm looking for. But yeah, I guess it's opportunities, and I was just crushing it. So um, I thought it was really cool that they decided, yeah, like, especially because I think I had been, like, the Triangle Gate champion prior to that. And so, and maybe even Twin Gate champion with Shima. But I'd never been, like, a singles champion until that, so I thought that was really cool. Do you have a favorite uh, defense from that run? Um... I think I only defended it a couple times. Maybe once against Doi, once against Yoshino. And then I think Dragon Kid finally beat me. Cause, yeah, I think because... I think because... Yeah, one against... Was it Doi? You definitely, no, definitely wrestled Doi. Then one against Yoshino in Fukuoka for Final Gate... Then I think at, at Aichi, I think Dragon Kid beat me for it. I also think I defended it against uh, KZ. I always like being in the ring with KZ. Any of those kind of stand out as like kind of any of your favorites doing the defenses? Um, I guess out of those, it might have been the one against Yoshino. I think I hit him with the double moon. Saw it at the end. Yeah. What was the decision in the end to, to leave Dragon Gate? 
actually kind of honestly it was kind of their decision not even decision uh i remember i had 2013 i had an opportunity to do the best of the super junior and uh so i was like okay yeah awesome so i did that it was funny because i did a whole tour of dragon gate i was over for like 96 days i did a whole tour of dragon gate then i did the whole tour of best of the super junior then immediately i stayed in japan and immediately did the uh the tour for Dragon Gate again. It's crazy. But I, I did that. But then the next year, 2014, I, I had a chance to do it again. And then after that year, I basically just became a full-time like New Japan guy, kind of just like a transition to New Japan. And Dragon Gate was okay with it because they know how much I love Dragon Gate and how much I would have, and I would have stayed, honestly. But they knew the opportunity this was. And if I succeeded like in New Japan it would only be good for Dragon Gate. You know what I mean? Like to have that good working relationship and have that exposure from someone from Dragon Gate doing so good in New Japan. So uh, they were like, yeah, no, like do this. It's fine. And so that's when I kind of started just doing it. That's when I kind of transitioned over to New Japan. How did it feel then? Because like, again, you you lost the first time with the Super Juniors. But that second one then, you won it. Not only did you win it, second American to do it, youngest at the time ever to do it. Oh, how, how did that, yeah, <laughs> sorry. But how, did, how did that feel? Um, dude, uh, it's amazing. I guess next to, was it Eddie Guerrero was the, the, this, the first one? As Black Tiger, maybe? Yep. But, um... No, I remember them tell. I remember Mochizuki actually. We were in the Dragon Gate Sanctuary where I stayed, and Mochizuki was like, uh, he was like, yeah, this year they want you Super Junior again. I was like, oh, awesome. He was like, but this time maybe you over. I was like, okay, whatever. Bro. <laughs> I was like, you just because they always joked, and I was like, okay. I was like, you're funny. You real funny, man. He was like, no, I'm serious. Maybe you over. I was like. I don't think so. <laughs> and not until like they told me, yeah, we're thinking this year. And I was like, oh shit. All right. Well, all right. It just like kind of like it was like unbelievable. Kind of. I was like, no, I don't think so, man. I only, I've only done it once. I'm not even in New Japan. I'm a Dragon Gate guy. Like, no. And they were like, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. sweet. Let's do it. It's like it's so it's completely different because like, again, Dragon Gate would have still kind of been pretty young, so the stuff you were you were achieving was still within like a new promotion. Whereas again, the names that have won that tournament before you, like the, some of them, the best, like the best that have ever been in a squared circle. Like again, that must have been absolutely incredible. Just to think, okay, my name's going to be etched in there now for for history forever. Dude, it's it's honestly one of my. It's one of my biggest like accomplishments I've ever done ever in professional wrestling, just because of the history behind it and behind the company and the the list of guys who've actually won that and like it's nuts. So um, it's legit. Yeah, it's it's one of my it's one of my biggest accomplishments ever. How long were you there in New Japan then after you kind of? On that compared to then I stayed in New Japan until I signed to uh, NXT so I was in New Japan from like 2014 to 
2014 to about, I guess, yeah, 2017 is when I did my, my final tour, which was maybe the Super Junior or maybe the Junior Tag League. I don't remember. Did you do less of New Japan when you were doing Lucha Underground? No, I mean, I still, I was only doing like New Japan and Lucha. Like I, because I would do, I'd film for, we'd film for Lucha and then I'd fly over to New Japan for a week. And then I'd come home. I might do like PWG if we, if I could sketch, if I could like, it was funny because I, it was, it's kind of cool because at the time, I want to say from 2015 to 17, like a lot of the time Super Dragon would like, ask me, okay, what weekends do you have available? Because that weekend is like when we'll run the PWG show. So I thought that was cool that he was like, not every time, obviously, but a, a, a more than a handful of times, he would ask me what weekend I had available so he could book that weekend. I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> but um, no, I was, I was doing basically New Japan, Lucha, and then PWG with the occasional like UK tour. Um because I've always loved it over there too. But um, yeah, I, I was like super busy those those two, three years. How did you like, how did you find Lucha? Like the way it was set up, the way that they kind of delivered it, because it was so different to anything you'd ever done before. And again, it was actually, it was actually funny because I actually, I fell in love with it. But at first Conan tried for like a year to get me to, he was talking about this Lucha Underground project, Lucha Underground, Lucha Underground. He called me once a month, maybe. He was like, he's like, we want you to be this guy. We want you, we want you, we want you. And I kind of always just, I always had like Wrestling Society X stuck in my head. Uh, yeah, I, I, to be fair, that had a great feel to it, but it just never got yes. off. Exactly, like it had a sweet feel and it was something different. It just didn't catch, it didn't catch fire, which I, I, I wish it would have because it was a good idea. And uh, and that's what I that's literally what I thought this was going to be the next like like Wrestling Society X. So I just kept saying, Nah, man, I don't, I don't think so. I'm just going to stick to Japan. I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. He tried forever, and then finally one day I was just like, Well, screw it. I might as well just try it. I mean, I don't know why. I just decided one day. I think it was like a, honestly, it was like a Wednesday. And then they were like, yeah, we'll get you a plane ticket tonight. Tomorrow we'll fly you out. We'll talk to you about it. Friday we'll shoot some stuff. I was like, all right. So I, was, I want to say it was like around October of 2014. I went out and I saw the the uh, the temple. I saw and I talked to Conan. I talked to some of the producers. And I know it seemed pretty cool. And so I, I just said, sure, why not? I tried it. And it turned out to be one of the best decisions. It was so much fun. I made a lot of good friends there. I made a lot of good memories that I'll always have forever. Uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it, I loved the feel. I loved the look of it. I loved how it was. Sh- how it was shot. I loved how it was filmed. I loved the wrestling, the location. Oh man, it was. It was great, dude. It was so good. Some of the best times. I love how, like you say, it was a Wednesday, and knowing you, I could just imagine you having a weekend off, and him hitting you on that weekend, and you being like, "Yeah, I've got nothing else to do. I'll fly down, have a look." Kind of, and um, but and then especially at the time, like, because I was like making acceptable, like decent money, but nothing, nothing crazy. And then so like they were like they were like we'll pay you this much per match, and I was like, yeah, okay, yeah, let's do that, let's do that, <laughs> let's do that right now. <laughs> I, 
and you also, of course, like it wouldn't have affected anything else you were doing either. So you're like, wait, so I can I can earn this, and I can still kind of do everything I'm doing already. Exactly, and that's that was a big reason why I did. That's why I did accept that because I I, were, I still was able to do UK. I was still able to do Japan. I was still able to do PWG. So it was great. You ran three seasons with them, right? I did three. Yes. I can remember talking to you. I think they it hadn't aired, but I think you'd you'd filmed it. I think you'd got to the point where you were like, you'd done enough with them, and you'd feel like you'd okay. I've I've done what I want to do with this. Now I want to move on. I can remember you being not frustrated, but you were like you were waiting for them to air it. And I know you couldn't really go anywhere until it. Had yeah. Been so yeah, season three they filmed like thirty six episodes or something. It was crazy. Season three was so many episodes, and. In the middle of the season, because I was supposed to wait until season three aired, then I had like a 90-day no no work clause after that, then I could start doing stuff. And so I had to wait until season three's finale aired before the 90 days started. But then without telling anybody, even none of the wrestlers, nobody, they took like a three-month break in the middle of the season. So not only... Now that I have that three-month break in the middle, but then they started back up the rest of the season. Then I had to wait 90 days after that finale. So I was just so I was like, oh, come on, guys. What the, what the F? And then so I even tried to talk to them. I was like, hey, can we, can we get the 90 days taken down to like 60 days or 30 days? Can we get it just – can we get that at least taken down or something? Like, because like you guys are now like, I can't go do stuff because you're holding me to this contract because – you decided without telling anybody and you've never done it in the first two seasons, but this season all of a sudden you're taking like a mid season break and it's not like a two or three week break. It was like a three month break. So it's like now I have to wait like half a year before I can do anything basically. So that, that was kind of frustrating. And, uh, but I mean, I guess everything kind of happens for a reason. You know what I mean? Well, I was going to say, like, I remember like kind of chatting to you about that and you being like, you know, frustrated, like, Oh, I want to kind of, you know, I'm in limbo at the moment. That's the word you used. I'm in limbo. Basically, yes. But, like, I feel like it really did work out for the best because it allowed yeah. you to have, like, almost you to run out the indies in New Japan on your own terms, I felt. Like, you were able to do the match with you and Will. You were able to do, uh, like, the feud with, the, like, win Bowler, win Bowler again, have the feud with, with Dustin at Peter Ruggi. Oh, like, yeah. I feel like it ticked. I feel like it allowed you to proper bow out on your own terms on the Indians. I forgot I won Bola a second time. Wow. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, that's crazy. Um, no, definitely. Uh, like I said, I think everything happens for a reason. And so I think that was the reason because I, I was able to do in that two years, I, I, I took it as like, okay, well, not t- two years, but in that, that time, I, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll just make the most of what I can because, I mean, I don't know. I, I, they're not going to let me out. I've tried to talk to, I tried to talk to them. They're just not going to. Whatever. There's. I mean, what am I going to do? Sue them or something? No, I'm, that's stupid. So I was like, I'm just going to make the most of this. And uh, like you said, uh, the 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 Bola uh, second win, the match with Will. I got to do uh, just a lot of things that you know. Yeah, like you said, I wouldn't have been able to do if 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 I would have. I don't know. Yeah, my, con- my that would my terms would have ended sooner. So it was it was pretty cool, and I, I I was able to like, kind of yeah. Work the indies and do 
do it my way and wrestle where I wanted and how I wanted and who I wanted and when I wanted. And uh, like I said, it was, it was, it was honestly great. And so like kind of like a, a blessing in disguise. And we knew, we know like WWE were already interested in you, but I feel like, again, that will match was the one that kind of, it really raised your stock. It kind of like, it showed you in the lights of like, you know, it was on ESPN. It was, it was all over the internet. It blew up. Yeah. It, broke, it broke the internet and made you, like a bigger name overnight. Did you did you know after you wrestled Will on that night that you you'd created that, or was it just another night of you and Will trying? No, to no. Me and Will just put shit. together a match that me and Will always had. Like we've had three times, four times before that match. We literally just put together a match and was like, "Yeah, I think that'd be pretty good. That's pretty good, right? Cool." We didn't know it was gonna be nuts. <laughs> I think just because he and I are very. Not only are we very similar, but our timing is very, our timing is, is very similar. And maybe we just read each, we, we read people's timings very, timing very well. And so we could read each other's timing very well and then time ourselves to that. And I think, I, I think he and I are very similar when it comes to those. So he's just probably, he's just better than me as well. <laughs> Oh, he's going to love that part. You know that, don't you? I know. He's an idiot. I hate him. <laughs> but no. Like, I'm better, I, love, I mean, I'm better looking, but that's all that really matters. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm saying nothing. I'm absolutely saying nothing. I'm not getting between you two at all. I'm not doing it. Can't make me do it. But, but yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just think, like, again, absolutely mental. Again, I'd, I'd seen you guys had matches defiant and, like, you know, in yeah. England. And they were like, it, like of course there was something special that night when it all came together. But I seen you do a lot of that. So, but I remember just seeing it going absolute viral. I was in, I was in an airport in, um, in America somewhere, and in the sports bar, you guys were on ESPN when they were talking about <laughs> it. And I can remember just kind of thinking to myself, this isn't normal, is it? Like this, this has gone beyond wrestling. It was, uh, it, it caught on. It caught on pretty well. I mean, it caught on because. Fifty percent of the people absolutely loved it, and then fifty percent of people absolutely hated it. It's the perfect storm, man. Perfect storm for discussion. That's what I yeah. It's like, and then I think I made that like wrestling as an art post, which came into a shirt, which came into a whole thing. Then Randy Orton said something, and then everyone like he said the dot 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 dive or something. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Randy's got his finger on the pulse, man. People Then like, years later, he's giving me an RKO and I break my neck. <laughs> uh, but uh, let's, let's talk. Let's talk about WWE then. Like, how did how did that come about for you? Because again, there's so many different ways and stories that people have ended up there. But how did that come about for you? Um, I think just um, word of mouth, and I think the the I think Lucha really helped. I think New Japan really helped. And I just, I think at the time, like I, I think NXT was trying to build something. They were trying to build, they were trying to, they were trying to build something strong. And so like, they, you know, they had so many guys there. And I think, um, yeah, all the bricks just started falling into place and things just started falling into place. And, Right timing, right everything. My contract came, uh, the, the 
finally my lucha contract expired and um almost instantly we kind of just uh I, I got a call from my canyon and stuff and we started talking and then he actually one day he actually was like hey one second he's like i'm gonna get uh h on the phone so he called triple h and from like me canyon and triple h had like an hour talk one time about just nxt and everything that they're trying to do and stuff and i just even before i got to nxt i always thought nxt was like the best as far as just like all around like everything goes like wrestling stories pro like everything i think they they have they have a lock on how to do how to get the most out of every situation you know what i mean does that make sense yeah totally and especially knowing how like sean and trips kind of view stuff and plan stuff out yeah it totally makes sense yes it's, it's like they they have their promos they have their storylines they have they have all that on point but then also at the same time the in ring is just second to none you know what i mean especially like takeovers and stuff like it's hard to i would put i would put like especially that year run that i had like not just my matches but like the whole takeovers is even now crap even now like i would like put any of those takeovers against any pay-per-view ever like uh, i mean at least in that time you know what i mean so um but i and i think i just i i, I really liked it and so i i know i wanted to be there and they made me an offer I can't refuse. <laughs> you know, no. Uh, so, um, yeah, and I, obviously, like I said, I just wanted to be there. And so I think everything fell into place. And, like, yeah, January 2018, I had my, uh, was my first day reporting to the Performance Center. Well, let's talk about that. Like, again, you someone who would have traveled the world, you would have done loads of stuff. Like, how did it feel? Like, we've all, we've, we've all been there and we've seen it's such a, it's such a great facility. Like, you walk in and you're now being paid to be a full-time athlete for the WWE. How does that feel? I mean, man, I, a lot of people have like horror stories about the performance center and rightfully so. Like I get it. I've seen it, but like, I got so lucky, man. I got, my time in the performance center was awesome. Um, I got so lucky in that aspect. Like I was only there for maybe, a month and a half before I got moved to, uh, I was in Shawn Michaels class and I learned so much from him. He's just a, an absolute genius. I don't even need to say anymore. He's an absolute genius. So I was only there for like maybe a little over a month before I got moved to his class. And it was, uh, it was just great. And then being there with those guys like Johnny and Adam and dream and, um, Tommaso and Alistair and all those guys, Raiders, so like all those guys, like learning from those guys, they, 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 they helped me out so much. And I think we were all trying to like make NXT the best. And we were all like, and they still are trying to, and it's cool to see that. And so um, it was just, dude, it was an amazing time, man. I feel like that initial run was like tailor-made for you. Like you made, you, you made your debut in a ladder match of all matches. <laughs> yeah. Right. Which I do believe went on to have like a five or six star rating off Meltzer or something stupid as well. Which is like, yeah, again, made people watch out for it. But then also, straight off the bat of that, you go into this this incredible Clash of Styles match with Dream. Yeah. And yeah. he was like, you were like one of the most interesting in-ring performers they had. And he was one of the most interesting characters they had. It was just like, when it came together, it was it was crazy. And again, tailor-made again, I felt like entire run was. No, dude, that was, that was one of my most favorite, like, feuds I've had in the WWE and in general so far i think because it was it was i think he helped me like 
character wise because I kind like especially like on the indies I was never really known for being a character wrestler like I, I wasn't it wasn't my promos people wanting to see but I think with him he brought that out a lot of me like the uh the, the swagger the, the little bit of the, the confidence the uh because even like I think I don't even think we touched each other once until I well I think we had like a a match a, a handicap match against no we had a match but then Lars Sullivan came out like one minute into the match and destroyed us both but other than that we didn't even touch each other until that takeover match and everyone was so excited for this match because of the promos we were doing leading up to that and I, that was like one of the first times for me that someone's been excited for a match because of the promo stuff that we were doing. You know what I mean? It just felt so natural. And uh, so that's something that I, I always, always enjoyed. And, um, but yeah, when we, we, we just tried to, it was basically, yeah, anything you can do, I can do better storyline and he's the man. And so, uh, yeah, I think we, we fed up, fed up of each other really well. And like you said, our styles just went together. So, Although they were different, they were similar, but still like different enough to be, you know, noticeable. I don't know. It was it was just good. It was just organic. Two part question, right? Whose idea was it to do the flip over the over the rope to land your feet in front of him? That's the first part question, right? Second question: How terrified were you to mess that up in front of a live audience? Uh, it was Triple H's idea because. We were trying to find a like an exclamation mark to like finish this promo, and we just couldn't. And it, nothing fit. It all just seemed nothing fit. And then he, it was triple. We were just standing there, kind of all silent, thinking about things. And then Triple H just he goes, he goes, you know, it'd be cool if you could just run and flip out of the ring, boom, land right in front of him, and like show me, show me, bro. And and I was like, he's like, could you do that? And then I just thought, I was like, I don't know. I mean, I do dives all the time and I hit people and kind of land on my feet and roll away. I'm like, so I was, I was just sitting there thinking. And I said, yeah, maybe, probably. <laughs> and then, uh, and, but that's the thing. When, during, it, during it, when it, when it happened, I wasn't really thinking about like messing up. I was just like, okay, what can, how do I do this? And then I kind of saw in my head, I saw like, because I, I know, and I've seen it a lot. I think AR Fox used to do it like in practice, I think. Like he used to do it like before the shows because he's a crazy person. Um, but uh, so I was like, yeah, I think I could do it. And then so like, yeah, time came and it just kind of worked out perfectly. And then, like but then dreams, like dreams, Dream's reaction really helped it too. You know what I mean? His reaction was perfect. I feel as well it was like one of those moments where it was like you had the match with Will, the internet went crazy, and then you kind of you came to NXT, um, and then stuff starts rolling. And then I remember seeing that, and that again was another thing that was just all over the internet. It was like it again take, it took you to another level. And again, as you said, it was outside of a match. It was like a build up to a match which made you want to see the match even more then. Exactly, yeah. So, like, like I, I think they just... I think, like, Triple H and Sean, they knew how to use me to the best of my abilities and still get that character development over. I think they... Especially someone like Sean, who 
you know, Sean was, uh, he was known for his in-ring work. You know what I mean? But also, like, he was, uh, he was a character, too. So I think he was, him and, and Triple H's mind together, they, 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 I think with, my, with that Ricochet character, they knew exactly what they were wanting to get. How long were you at NXT? Because I feel like everything just escalated so fast. Uh, about just right at a year. Like, again. Well, I made like, my debut. Actually, I made my TV debut WrestleMania in New Orleans. And then I made my Raw debut in February of 2019. So maybe actually less than a year. Like... Just like so, in the space of ten months, you did like NXT, you did Mania, you did Raw, and then I guess within about eighteen, I guess eighteen months of you signing with the company, you would at this point you had done a Mania, you had won the US belt, and you were on SummerSlam with Styles. Yeah. Like, did you expect it to escalate as fast as it did? Hell no. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know what to expect. To be honest with you. I knew, and I, I like, I think especially my style. I, I, I thought either Vince is gonna love me or absolutely hate me. You know what I mean? So all I knew is like I'm just gonna go out there and try to sell my butt off, and I don't know, like somehow I ended up having, you know, all the right people on my side, I guess. So I had all these opportunities, and I just tried to you know, make the most of them and show them that I wanted to be there and show them that I could, you know, take whatever they threw, threw at me. Did you say that you made your debut February 2019, is that what you said? Or Raw, um, I mean? My Raw debut? Yeah, I think it was like February 2019. Right, that's mental, right? Because I don't know if you remember this. Me and you were at Royal Rumble and we went down the stairwell together. Yes. With you, and we bumped into Vince. And, yes. Yeah. And... And he walks up, of course, like, he he has no idea. He probably still doesn't know who I am. He's met me, like, three times, but he probably still doesn't know. But I remember him walking up, introducing himself, shaking your hand and saying, like, you're doing great work. Keep up the good work. And, like, Steph yeah, saying, Steph it, saying, like, he doesn't, he doesn't just say this. Was it him and Trips walking by, maybe? No, it was him and Steph. No, it was him and Steph was walking. Him and Steph. It was him and Steph. Um, no, I remember that specifically, yeah. It's funny because there was another time in Orlando. We were at the Amway Center. It was we were just it was like NXT kids. We were just backstage, and uh, him and Triple H came walking by, and it was kind of the same thing where he it was like a group of us, and Triple H said hi to like everybody, but like Vince literally like said hi to me and like kept walking, and people were like, "Hey, why did he just say hi to you?" And I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> it's weird." But that's crazy. That's that's thinking about. It. I forgot about the Stephanie one though. That isn't the him and Steph. And the yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, because he said he said like, oh, keep up the good work. You, you yeah, great stuff. And you turned to me and was like, I didn't even know he knew who I was. <laughs> no clue. And then like a month later, you're on Raw, so he must he must have had ideas and plans for you. Yeah, I know. It's uh, it's kind of crazy to think about, huh? Absolutely mental. So like. With this, with this current situation now, you've done so much, but now, of course, we're, we're there, and you're somebody who feeds off the crowd and the energy so well. Like, how are you, how are you dealing? How are you, how are you uh, kind of adapting to wrestling in front of no crowd at the moment? 
I mean, you can attest to this. I mean, we've all wrestled in front of no people before yeah, and went out there, and we've all wrestled in front of literally nobody. And so now it's it's kind of it's 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 you have to kind of tap into that. You got to try to remember those moments when you were going out there and literally giving everything you've got in front of nobody with less experience. You know what I mean? So, um, and honestly, I kind of think it's been good for everybody. Really, I think like, everybody in the company, from me to Rollins to everybody, I think it's giving us a chance to not use the crowd so much and go in with a different like state of mind and trying to figure out different ways. And also, like when you're in the ring, like talking or just selling or something, I think it, I think it's helped us all a little bit, and I think it will only help us going forward. So that's that's the kind of the mindset I've kind of been taking behind it. And although there's no people in the crowd, but I mean, there's still 2 million people watching at home. You know what I mean? So, so I, that's kind of what I also think. So I still want to go out there and give those people everything that I've, you know, I've got in the ring. So that's, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. And it's also, I kind of guess with no crowd reaction, it's allowing people who weren't getting opportunities before to kind of go out there and show what they can do. Like again, and yeah, I, I think that's that's been really that's been a good that's been a good positive. This whole thing too has been it's been giving yeah people who probably wouldn't have got as much of a opportunity, big opportunities. So what's what's next then for Ricochet? You've achieved so much now since you've been there in like what two years. But what's what's next? What's next for you, man? Um, that's the question, huh? I guess the question is just to continue on this. I've never really had my whole career. I've never really had a a plan of okay, next it's going to be world domination or this or that. Like it's like I'm always kind of like a, especially with this business because it changes every single day, every day it changes. So I'm always just kind of like a you know take it as it comes, like take one day at a time and see where you can build from there. Um, even as far as like matches go, I mean like when you're playing a match with someone, you get there that day and. The, a lot of people sometimes have all these ideas they want to do, and I, I never do. I'm always the guy that, like, okay, let's start, and then as we go, I'll start thinking of cool stuff as we go. And so that's kind of the way I take life, is, uh, you know, same way. It's like, it's hard to kind of plan, especially with how crazy life is in general. Plus being, you know, the WWE, it's, it's, it, it's, uh, it's a machine, cause it, and so sometimes parts break, and sometimes things need to be changed or updated or this or that, and so it changes all the time, so it's kind of it's kind of hard to plan so it's like you just got to be you know take it one day at a time and see where you can go so but really my plan is to just continue to stay healthy and stay active and just try to continue to you know perform and continue to inspire people to go out and kind of you know chase a dream because that's what this little kid from Kentucky did he just literally chased a dream until now he's living it you know what I mean so yeah just take it a day at a time, continue to stay healthy, continue to inspire, and continue to go out and perform the best of my ability, you know, the highest caliber I can, you know, perform. That's brilliant. Um, last uh, last question I usually like to ask is, if I could time travel you back to uh, speak to, to young Ricochet and you could give him advice, what would that advice be? Um, to live in the moment more. Because there's a lot of times in my, there's a lot of time in my past that I don't really remember or have a feeling of because everything was just going by so fast and I was only focused on just be like being the best wrestler that I can be and 
I really wasn't really living in the moment and, you know, taking account of things that were happening in the moment and appreciating things. Maybe, yeah, appreciate, or live in the moment and appreciate the moment a little bit more because, you know, I kind of just coasted through life because I was so focused on wrestling. I just coasted through everything else. So now I would, yeah, I would tell him, hey, just appreciate people more, appreciate things more, appreciate what you've got more. Like, and not that I didn't, but I just wasn't really, I wasn't aware, I wasn't in the moment, and I didn't really, like, I wasn't aware of what was happening to me, you know, at the time. But uh, so that, that's what I would tell myself. Because everything else, I feel like work ethic and determination and, uh, like, respect and all that stuff is still basically the same. But, yeah, I definitely would have just appreciated people, appreciated friends, appreciated family, appreciated just everything a little bit more than what I did because I was just so tunnel vision on becoming a better wrestler that I, yeah, I don't think I appreciated a lot of people or things in my life. Not as much as I do now. Now I try to tell everybody that I love them and I appreciate them and I hope that they prosper and they do amazing. That's lovely, man. That really is. Thank you. Where can they find you on the internet? They can find me at King Ricochet on Twitter and Instagram. I try to stay active on, on both. Uh, it's probably stuff you don't even care about seeing, but I think it's cool. So if you like anime and of me wrestling or skating, then that's probably, then yeah, give me a follow. Um, it's been great to chat, man. It really has. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. That's been, it's been fun. Yeah, man. Have a good time. All right. How good was that? What'd I say? I feel like, you know, first like 10, 15 minutes, um, like it gets, we take a little bit of time to get into it. And then once it clicks, I felt like maybe around that mark when we start talking about Chris Hero and we both start like kind of like chatting about how wonderful Chris is. And hopefully I can get Chris on the podcast in the next couple of weeks, months, whatever. Um, then it becomes a completely different ball game. Um, and it's such a cool story. He, you forget how much you do, and he forgot as well how much he did. He forgot that he he had that great feud with uh, Taylor. He forgot that he won Battle of Los Angeles once again. And we did talk a little bit about uh, his experience with Lucha. And it's, and I again, I I think one of the wonderful things about that coming up is he says anything happens for a reason. I do believe that if it wasn't for that contract negotiation and him kind of being stuck in that situation, we wouldn't have had him and Will in that groundbreaking match, we wouldn't have had uh, that, him being able to kind of walk up the Indies on his own accord. We wouldn't be able to have those, his second bowler win. Uh, I definitely wouldn't have met him because I met him during that period and that's when we became friends doing uh, What Culture and and Defiance and all them, whatever else it became afterwards. Um, Yeah, so I feel like it's, it's such a a cool story. Um, He's super humble. He always has been uh, for somebody who's one of the premier athletes in the world, he's such a nice and down-to-earth guy. Never, ever has he been anything else. He's down-to-earth, always got time for me and my Andrews whenever we see him. Comes out of his way, sometimes he sees us before we see him, and he always comes out of his way to come and chat to us. And it's always wonderful to sit down and chat with him. And hopefully you all enjoyed um, this conversation. Um, and again, I really look forward to uh, what the future holds for him. And hopefully we can sit down in the next five years and he can tell me how he's become Dory champion, which I have no doubt is something that will definitely happen because the man's amazing. Absolutely incredible. 
but uh, yeah, wonderful conversation. Uh, glad I finally got to sit down and chat with him. And uh, yeah, big thanks, dude. Big love. Thanks. Of course, if you enjoyed this podcast, I've said it at the start, I'm going to continue to say it. Please be sure to uh, tweet out. If, you, listen, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you think to yourself, bloody hell, that was great. I really enjoyed that. Then just screen grab or get your phone out, go onto your Twitter and just tweet. Just tweet. It'll take you 30 seconds. Just tweet. Just tweet that out. Do it right now. Thanks. Um, and let me know. Um, again, that's the best way you can support this podcast is at Flash underscore Morgan on the Twitter. Facebook.com forward slash Flash Morgan Webster on the Facebook. Or I'm at Flash Morgan Webster on the Instagram. Love seeing those Instagram stories. So please keep those coming. Um, oh, the other thing. We've got like two days now. Um, me and Mark did put up some t-shirts and they're, oh, they're great t-shirts. He sorted it all out. I can't take any credit for it. Um, and they're in aid of meals for the NHS. So of course, we are loosening lockdown restrictions here. Um, hopefully, it doesn't spike. I know Western Super Mayors had a little bit of a surge. And uh, there are going to be a lot of people who are going to be struggling coming off 12, 14 hour shifts and and, and either going to not have time or not going to feel like going and to the the shops and stuff like that or not have time to do it. Um, we're supporting meals for the NHS. So we really are trying to put meals uh, in place for frontline key workers who are putting their lives at risk so they can save others. So, yeah, they might be on sale till Monday maybe they might go off sale Friday Mark's in completely in charge of this but head over to uh, our Twitter head over to Mark if you go to Google type in Mark Andrews Big Cartel they're on there there's two to select for um, the burgundy one is absolutely gorgeous um, that's the one that I grabbed and your support means the absolute world so definitely go check that out also I'm trying to get a lot in here um, we have what is the date the date is the 26th you have like five days uh, May 5th, yeah five days to um, get your reviews in on iTunes. Um, I think at the moment maybe we've had 10, which is great. Uh, that means you have a 1 in 10 chance at the moment of winning goodies from myself and whatever else I find in there. You might chuck some again. But yeah, all you got to do, leave me a review and then put uh, your name on uh, on there. People saying like, at whatever from Twitter or their full name and saying Facebook or whatever and I'll find you. So uh, yeah, you got five days to do that. Go to iTunes, rate, subscribe, leave a review, and uh, you'll be entered into a prize draw. Simple as that. Um, all I have to say, I guess, is a big thanks to uh, our guest this week, Ricochet, for coming on the show. Absolutely wonderful. Big thanks again to our sponsors, suplexapal.com. Um, as I said to you, I picked up some stuff from them recently. The J uh, JPN4 range is absolutely incredible. They're restocking um, regularly, so if you have missed out on something, go back there and check out. And they are shipping worldwide, so no matter where you live, uh, no matter where you're sat right now listening to this podcast, you can uh, you can get yourself some great clobber. And that, again, is suplexapowell.com. And they are sponsors for the last two weeks, so a big thanks to them. And a uh, big thanks to you guys if you have uh, tweeted out, if you have bought something from suplexapowell doing this, or if you've sent me a uh, Facebook, uh, shared the Facebook status, or you've, you've done an Instagram story. Again, that's the best way to support me. And hopefully, when this is all over... I'll continue uh, if my stuff, my, guess my timeline and everything, and my uh, days going to get a bit more hectic. And hopefully, um, I'm able to outsource a lot of the editing, and it means that uh, I just have to record the podcast, the intros, outros, send it off, and we can continue to have wonderful gatherings. Um, it was a plane going over the top. I guess that's a good way to end it up. So yeah, big thanks to Ricochet, big thanks to Superdesipal.com, and big thanks to 
you guys. I hope everyone is staying safe. I hope everyone is still abiding by the social distancing laws. And I hope that uh, I will get your uh, your valuable time next week. Um, all I have to say is uh, always a pleasure, always a treasure. And bye. Thanks for stopping by. Later, people. <laughs>